Hey Bryce, it's Josh. Uh, just leaving you a quick message. Um, uh, Josh Wiggler, in case you, in case you didn't know which Josh this was. Uh, uh, oh gosh, I'm so sorry that this is so awkward. I, I'm just a little. I'm just feeling a little nervous. I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan, Bryce, of uh, of what you do here. I love this podcast. I love the Purple Pants podcast. I love everything that you touch on RHAP, everything with the Family Visit podcasts, uh, the Tiger King podcasts, uh, that, 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 that B word Carol Baskin podcast, everything you do, uh, Bryce. It's, it's, it's just, it's just gold. And I'm just such a big fan. And I, I just hope that you're doing well in these quarantine times. Uh, and I just want to send you a little bit of love here, uh, from, 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 from Wombat Nation to Purple Pants Nation. Um, and then one last quick thing, uh, really quickly, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a purple pants podcast. It's the purple pants. It's the purple pants. It's the purple pants podcast. You better get your headphones and listen up quick. It's the purple pants podcast. You better listen in public. Might make your stomach hurt. It's the purple pants podcast. You're trying to unwind. You better get that box wine. It's the purple pants podcast. You're trying to get your snack. You better hurry right back though. It's the purple pants. It's the purple pants. Welcome, everyone, to this week's episode of the Purple Pants Podcast. I am your host, Bryce Isaiah, and I am so excited to be recording an episode with you. I want to just give a shout out to all our new listeners. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you don't know... We go together. So now you know. So anybody that listens to this podcast, we go together. I am just so excited to record this podcast. Whew, baby boy had a turblesome, turble, you know, turbulence, a turbulent week last week. Whew, and I'll get into that. But listen, I'm just so glad to be here recording. I'm making sure the sound is right. I know the sound was a little iffy last week, but baby, I'm going to get into all of that because it's a story in a story. But before I go any further, let me wet the whistle Ooh. Mm. Ah. baby boy is wetting the whistle to some tito's and some cranberry juice with a splash of some strawberry juice i got some strawberries from the market um and you know for christmas i got a not a food processor a um what did i get i got a juicer from my good friend rodney lavoy jr from season 30 worlds apart and so he got me a juicer for christmas and so i was at the grocery store and i said let me just get some strawberries i put the strawberries in there and mind you (laughs) about 30 strawberries made a little bit of juice but i mixed that in with my little cocktail this week and whoo it's poppin', but how is everyone doing? I hope that everyone is safe during this quarantine. I know people talking about reopening, but I think it's still a little too soon. I think we need to stay safe, and we need to stay quarantined, and we need to stay locked up to ensure that everyone is safe, because we're going to get through this together. But, you know, I'll get more into that as the podcast unwinds, because Baby Boy has a lot to say about reopen. Reopen what? <laughs> reopen my refrigerator because baby I probably open that thing about a thousand times a day but I am on my you know not diet my lifestyle change and I've really been trying to watch what I eat while I'm on this quarantine because you know whether or not we're going to have a summer or not if we have a summer inside baby boy is going to be snizatched 
touched, okay? You never know. I might have a love interest. I need to make sure my body is right for my love interest. You know, if I have one or not, I don't know. But I'm so excited. I hope everyone is doing well. And yeah, let me just get into what this podcast is this week. So we've got the church announcements, which you know is a very important staple of this podcast. Um, And then on the menu this week, I have Frank Colombo Jr. Now y'all like, who that is? Frank Colombo Jr. is one of the key components of the HBO documentary, McMillions. And I have an exclusive interview with him. I'm so excited for you guys to hear this interview. Uh, We've got our Survivor News with our baby boy, Jack Atkins. Uh, I am covering Insecure, HBO show Insecure, uh, produced and written by Issa Rae. Uh, I'm covering Real Housewives of New York. And last on the menu, we got Florida's Governor Ron DeSantis. After our menu, we got the Purple Pants Picks. We have Advice with Bryce, Barb's Message, and Hoo Hoo Hoo, the Freak of the Week. I'm trying to tell y'all. Listen, we got a juicy episode for y'all this week. So without further ado, let's get into this podcast. Starting things right off with our church announcements. So first on the church announcements is last week I did a podcast. You know, baby boy was elevated from the feedback show from RHAP. Rob has a podcast to the recap show. So I did the recap show with Rob Sesterino. Um, and it's a really, 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 really good episode. Mind you, I was listening to the podcast myself and I was cracking up. I'm like, baby boy, you is a trip. So if you haven't checked that out, make sure you guys go over and check out the recap show Rob and I did uh, for Winners at War, the last week's episode. Now, if you guys listen to that episode, this is kind of segueing into the next church announcements. So, in that podcast, I had touched upon how last week, um, it would have been a week today that I was, you know, minding my business. You know, I work from home. Um, and so, you know, throughout the day, you know, I'll be working from home and, you know, I just, I'll be busy. You know, my phone be ringing. I'm entering data into the system. And I was like, you know what? Baby boy ain't take a shower today. So middle of the afternoon, I took a shower and I had put my work phone on my toilet. And, you know, while I'm taking a shower, my phone went off and I, you know, grabbed, reached from my phone uh, while I was in the shower. Instead of like, you know, maybe turning the water off, getting out the shower and getting my phone, I reached for it. And the way my bathroom is set up, it's a, it's like, you know, it, it got some, it could be dangerous. And so I went to grab for my cell phone and whoo, Chile, baby boy took a tumble in the shower and I ended up on the floor looking up at the ceiling. And, you know, I don't know how bad I injured myself, but just, I am still still sore to this day um so and it really just had me thinking like you know wow like I live alone and you know a lot of the times you hear of like elderly people or older people that like slip and fall in the shower and like you know the shower can be a dangerous thing and so it just really kind of put a perspective on my life that like you know 
although I am like young, agile. Um, but you know, I do live alone and there's a lot of scary things that can happen to people, um, in their homes when they live by themselves. And like, you know, with this quarantine, I feel like it exacerbates the situation of just being in the house all by themselves. And so it really just kind of like, you know, put it on my heart to say like, you know, make sure you guys are reaching out to your loved ones, your elderly people, and even people that you know that live alone. You just never know, like freak accidents can happen. And, you know, I'm thankful that, you know, I just have some bruises, a very hurt pride and a sore back, but all things that can get better. But, you know, you just never know what people living alone and this kind of scary time that we're in. So I just want to encourage my Purple Pants Posse to just make sure you reach out to your people, your loved ones. Make sure, like, while we are quarantined and locked down that we are checking in on everybody you know before everything reopens and you know everyone's in their house just make sure that we guys are like reaching out to other people because baby it could have been a scary situation i could still be laying on that floor and nobody would come to check for me because i you know i live by myself y'all would be like where is next week's purple pants podcast where is bryce listen i'm laying on the floor of my bathroom naked with the water still running okay listen that water bill expensive so i just you know it is a funny situation but you know like talking to a lot of my friends and you know talking to my mom barb When I had called my mom later that day and told her what happened, my mom was like, I'm getting sunshine in the car and I'm coming to you now. I'm like, mom, I'm fine. She's like, no, I'm coming to you. I'm like, I had to like yell at her like, no, you don't need to come. I'm fine. She's like, you know, me and sunshine was ready to come. Like, girl, if you don't sit your behind down, I don't need you coming over here, going out into this atmosphere, this COVID-19. But, you know, it was a scary situation. I'm glad that I can look back on it and laugh. Even though my side hurt when I laugh, but I'm just still glad that I can look back on it and laugh. But, you know, just again, just check on your loved ones, check on your friends, check on people that you haven't checked on in a long time. Um, It really will make them feel good. And, you know, make sure that they're safe. And last church announcement, I just, you know, want to officially announce that, you know, this time last year, I had came out with a single uh featuring E-Burials called What You Looking For. Um, And you know what? Listen, we got new music coming out, baby. You know, this time it's E-Burials featuring Bryce Isaiah. And we have got a new single coming out. It is called setback now baby uh we wrote this song a couple of months ago um and you know during that time uh when we recorded that song i was really kind of going through a a very difficult time in my life i found myself at a crossroad and i really felt like i was taking a setback uh but in reality uh what a setback is is really just a step back for a blessing okay some say it's a setback i say it is a come up um and so i just thought like what the perfect time to release a song like this when we're all feeling like we all are in a setback we set back in the house okay the world ain't reopened yet but when it reopens we are setting ourselves up for the biggest blessing we're setting ourselves up for just in the right trajectory so i'm so excited for this song it's called setback and we're going to release it in a couple of weeks but i just wanted to put that on the church announcements to let y'all know baby boy got some new music coming out that y'all can bop to oh and that is going to conclude this week's church announcements now let's get into this menu it's a man who is a menu me and potatoes like we're cooking up a great stew it's a man who is a menu me and potatoes like we're cooking up a great stew (laughs) 
All right, guys, we're so excited here at the Purple Pants Podcast. We have an exclusive, you know, I've been talking about McMillions on my podcast forever. And, you know, long behold, it caught the eye of, in my opinion, the star of the show, Frank Colombo. And so I'm so excited to have Frank Colombo here with us today for a Purple Pants Podcast exclusive interview. Frank, are you there? Yes, I am. How are you doing? I am good. I can't complain. How about yourself? Well, we're hanging in there with this uh, COVID virus. Uh, well, we can complain, but no one's going to listen to us. So. Definitely. So are you and Heather <laughs> quarantined together with your son at home? Yes, with both of my sons. Yes, we are all quarantined. And how is that working out for you guys? Are you guys driving each other crazy or it's, you know, good family time? Uh, no, we're, oh, we're always good. We're just sitting there working on cars, our, our side passion. So that leads me kind of to my first question. So what do you do for a living, Frank? A uh, little of this, little of that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I've been in business uh, opening up uh, different kinds of businesses over the past 35, 40 years. Uh, I keep myself busy. But right now we are doing something in the future, which I cannot disclose. Oh. I have a uh, disclosure agreement. Uh, but it will be something that everyone can follow us on. Uh, right now, we are doing uh, drifting as a family. So, like the Tokyo drifting, like when you drive the car and then you press the brakes and you like slide to the left? You got that right. That's what we do for, for fun right now. Wow. Uh, we've been doing Yep. Well, we, my son has a YouTube channel that he created about four or five years ago called Smoky Drift. Uh, so we have two 350Zs right now. We're going to be buying two more 350Zs. My wife and my youngest son, we're all going to be drifting together at Tokyo Drift. Wow, that's amazing. So let's get right into McMillions. Um, how did they approach you about doing McMillions? Were you nervous about doing it? Uh, or were you like open to the idea of being a part of the HBO documentary McMillions? Well, at first, I wasn't really sure if we were going to talk about it, because uh, it's pretty much been a family secret for over, you know, 25 years now. Um, but then when I met Brian and James uh, in person, uh, two awesome producer directors, uh, they kind of convinced me to share my brother's story, because um, there was a article in California somewhere. I forgot the name of the newspaper article. Um, but he was portraying my brother as you know, a real bad criminal, uh, kind of gangster. Uh, but I wanted the funny side of him to come out and the truth about my brother. Since he passed away, he wasn't here to speak for himself. So I decided to, uh, to do the documentary. Definitely. And definitely, I, I, I lost a brother as well, too. So I, I know how that absolutely can feel. When you decided to kind of like do the uh, the documentary, were you nervous or were you scared? And did you get any backlash from any family or friends that actually watched the documentary saying like, oh, my God, you're spilling the family secrets or I can't believe you're doing that? No, we haven't received any backlash. Uh, pretty much I've been doing my own thing with me and my family for the past, you know, 15 to 20 years, we kind of uh, went our separate ways. We have different ideology. Um, pretty much, I I guess, I, as you can say, I'm the only one in my family who's never really done anything illegal. Um, so I've been on the strict and narrow. So I just, you know, me, my wife, my two boys, and we do our own thing. So I don't really 
discuss too many things with anyone else, so there was no backlash from anyone. Wow. Now, I know that in the documentary, um, you and your wife, Heather, did not get along or have any communication with Robin. Since the, the documentary has aired, is that still the same? Do you not have any communication with Robin? Yeah, zero communication, and I kind of like to keep it that way. <laughs> now, what did you think of Robin's side of the story uh, when you got to see kind of her tell her side of the story? Did you believe it? Did it change your mind over, like, what you had thought over the years, or were you still kind of sticking to the same thing that, like, you didn't believe anything that she was saying? Well, everything that Robin has said over the years, because I know she tried to write a book uh, about... I did it about five to eight years ago, and she's trying to, to sell that book now. Um, she was only with my brother for about four to five years, so it wasn't like a long-term marriage. Um, and then after he passed away, she moved on, remarried, changed her name, and just recently she's uh, pretty much just trying to exploit him. Uh, so that's why, another reason why I did the documentary, because just wanted the truth to come out there and... As you guys see, everything that me and my wife said, Robin backed it up in a way or what have you, because everything was true. I, you know, everything that I said was 100% the facts about what her life was all about. So a, a little bit about me, Frank, is I'm a social worker. So another part of the the documentary that really kind of touched me was your nephew, Fran Francisco, right? Francesco. Francesco, yep. And I... I, I really, you know, kind of touched my heart that you and Heather really kind of like, it seemed like really wanted to be a part of his life. And it seemed like you guys during the documentary, you fought to have him uh, be a part of your life. But it seems like after Robin got out of jail, she was able to get him back. Um, and I know that, you know, being that your brother's son and you care deeply for your brother. Have you had any contact with him since the documentary or it's still you haven't spoken like anything to him? No, we haven't spoken to anyone since the documentary, um, and I haven't spoken to my nephew in, a, I would say, probably about four years. We tried to help him about four to five years ago, um, but he has been raised by the wrong people uh, without any moral or ethical backgrounds, uh, and he's really into drugs, and he's been in and out of jail for the past 10 years, and we tried to help him out, but it was going to be a bad influence on our children because we took him in for about three, four months and couldn't have that around my kids. Wow. Uh, really, really bad influence. But, you know, I wish him the best, but he's turning into his mom. He's not going to change. <sighs> That's definitely sad to hear. Um, and then, so I definitely, I was excited to have you finally come on the podcast because we've been talking back and forth. Um, and so I posed some questions to some of the listeners if they had any questions for you. And some of them came up with some kind of outrageous, uh, questions. So, uh, one of the questions I got from Twitter from Cindy, uh, C writes, uh, what's one of the craziest things you've ever flushed down the toilet? Um, uh, that's a good question. What's the craziest thing? Probably when I was a kid, uh, my one of my GI Joes because oh. I wanted to see if he can swim. <laughs> and I'm assuming he was not able to swim. I'm assuming he just, you know. 
Um, and then since the documentary has aired and you and Heather really stole the show, you guys were definitely my favorite people uh, to watch on the show. And I would get upset, you know, when there would be some episodes and we didn't have Frank or Heather. I'm like, where is my Frank and Heather? You guys, with your just your reaction or even Heather, for me, kind of stole the show because she didn't say a lot, but I felt like her face said it all. And that's definitely how I am. My face can speak a thousand words a minute and I don't even have to say anything have you gotten any strange requests from people in the community or like more notoriety when you go out to stores like has anyone asked you for any strange requests since the documentary has aired no we've had a lot of people driving by our house and taking pictures of the house and taking pictures of our cars because uh Apparently, it's been going out there now. The crazy cars we had—we we got like fourteen cars at the house. Wow. We got drift cars and low riders and Bolazoco cars, and we just—we're a car family. Uh, but we—we've had a couple of people recognize us around town, and uh, we try to keep a low profile because we have another project that's going to be coming out. Uh, hopefully, by the end of the year, should have been out by May or June, but now with this virus, kind of setting us back some. But we will have more exposure out there soon. Oh, that's exciting. Well, I, I, I can't say what it is. Well, I, I'm excited because, you know, I definitely am a Frank Colombo fan. So, listen, I definitely have to make sure I stay on top of that. Um, then I had another question from Brent Showerman on Twitter. He writes, is there anything that didn't make the documentary that you wish made the documentary? Uh, yes, actually, um, we had an entire afternoon one day when the, the camera crew was at our house and we took everyone drifting uh, in our son's drift car. Um, and it was an absolute blast. Um, I wish they would have put some of that drifting in the uh, documentary because uh, that's a little thing that I think my family does and that will be content coming up in the future. Wow. Well, that's exciting. Um, so another question that I have is that, you know, watching the documentary, I think uh, one of your brother's former girlfriends, I believe her name was Betty. Um, and, you know, she th- on the last episode, they really kind of had us believing that she was the informant that, you know, she, you know, when she went to the the IRS, that they believed that, you know, they tipped them off. But then you and Heather dropped the bomb that, you know, it wasn't her, that it was really Mama Colombo that really called the cops and really kind of busted the case open. Now, did you feel like how how was that holding that secret the whole time that like you know that your mom was the one that really kind of like put this investigation on spotlight? Well, we were kind of debating that uh, the first time uh, the documentary uh, James and Brian came to our house. Uh, you'll see us sitting on the couch, and we were debating of should we put that out there or not but as we kept on talking and talking and me and brian and james you know had a good rapport and uh we met up with mark Wahlberg and archie gift and what have you um i was like you know what everyone needs to know what happened because a lot of people were always wondering and so it was nothing to lose you know it's over it's been 25 years you know so we just went ahead and just looked and like hey you know do you want to know who it was and they were like really you know and i was like yeah we'll tell you why not wow um do you feel uh what's another question i have um so a lot of people want to know your son that was in the documentary they want to know was that last scene was that manufactured or was that a real scene that he just literally happened to come home and he works for mcdonald's so that was actually 
100% not even supposed to be in the documentary. We didn't know. We were, we were in the middle of shooting the documentary. And uh, like I said, we have 14 cars. We have audio cars as well. So he has this monster stereo in his Honda Civic. So we're doing the documentary, and like literally for about three to four minutes, you just hear this boom, 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 coming down the road. And then Jeff Nolan's like, oh, we have to stop. You know, uh, it's messing the microphones up. It's shaking the windows in the house. <laughs> we're like, yeah, that's our son. That's our son. He's coming home from work. Like, oh, okay, well, we're just going to go ahead and, and stop for a couple of minutes. I said, okay, no problem. So he walks in, and as soon as he walks in, everyone's like, holy shit. <laughs> he works at McDonald's. And I'm like, yep. I said, did we forget to leave that out there? So they thought it was hilarious. So I didn't even know that they were going to put that in there until uh, a few days after we, sh we shot everything. And they're like, can we put them in? I'm like, yeah, go ahead. Uh, yeah, that was totally unscripted. <laughs> that, to me, was like one of the highlights of the show, just the fact that, you know, almost like full circle. Now, during the time when your brother was uh, running the McDonald's scheme with Jerry, you had mentioned that you guys were promised a McDonald's ticket. Did you, like, did you and Heather ha already plan to know, like, what you would do if you got a ticket? Or were you just, like, going to save it for a rainy day? Well... Like, when we first got married, my brother told uh, my wife, like, listen, don't change your last name. I got a big plan for you. I'm like, okay, come on, Jerry. Are you serious? He's like, yeah. He goes, you don't got to buy it. It's totally free. It's on me. It's your wedding gift. I'm like, all right. I said, well, you know, who's going to turn down a million dollars, right? And it wasn't really hurting anybody. So we're just kind of like a distribution of the funds. That's, that's how we say it. Um, so we were going to go ahead and do it, but then we kind of, we second guessed it. We're like, you know, well, maybe we shouldn't, because who wants to keep looking over our shoulders the whole time, you know, and 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 live like that? Even though my family has done, you know, lots and lots of crazy things. I mean, obviously, you know, my family history. <laughs> um, but we we actually chose not to do it. It was before he passed away. We chose not to do it. Uh, you know, there's other ways to make money. Now, when your brother was in the hospital and we, you told the story about how you went to the house and went in the freezer and got all the tickets out the freezer. Now, that would have been a hard decision because if I were you, I would have been like, you know what, let me just put one little ticket in the bottom of my sock and just hold on to it. Did you have any of those thoughts? Like, you know what, let me just hold on to one of these tickets or at this point, were you really just trying to clear all the evidence so that like, you know, nothing could come back on your family? Yeah, I, mean, I easily could have took over the business. I mean, Uncle Jerry would have easily went ahead and, and would have partnered up with me. I mean, he got the name Uncle Jerry from my brother. Uh, so it really, he, he was just Jacob to everyone else, you know, Jerome. Um, but I just decided that, you know, I wanted to clear my brother of any wrongdoing. You know, I, I knew he was, you know, his lungs were shutting down, his kidneys were shutting down. And I said, you know what, let me just get everything. And I, 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 burnt it all and not in a Nash trailer like the movie because I don't smoke uh, but I just, I just burnt everything and you know and said bygones like bygones we got bygones a hard decision to definitely make I, I definitely could understand that but I mean the way my bills are set up Frank I would have you know <laughs> you know maybe a $20 and a Happy Meal or something um, now another question I got to ask you and Heather what the hell is going on with y'all McMillions coffee creamer uh, order do you, do you got diabetes Frank because that's a lot of sugar <laughs> I knew that was coming <laughs> 
there's a whole there's a whole trend all over Twitter on my coffee habit. <laughs> it actually makes a perfect latte. That's what the, the ultimate goal is. It's a latte, pretty much. Okay. Uh, I, I I use the equal, and my wife uses the sugar. But when you think about it, it's a, it's a large. It's about twenty four ounces. So that's not really a whole lot of sugar. Five little packets and five equal. I mean, to some people it is. But if you go to Dunkin' Donuts or Starbucks with the macchiato and all of that crazy caramel crap they put in there, the sugar content is much less, which is five packs. Now I gotta ask, how many times do you roll up to a McDonald's and say, "Hey yo, let me get that McMillions coffee special"? Because I feel like it's more than once a day. Frank. Oh, it's we drink a I would say probably about seven to eight coffees a day. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. That coffee is our crack. How's that? Is that a good thing? I mean I that's why y'all probably are drifting, Frank. You got all that caffeine in you. I'm telling you, it's just jittery all the time. <laughs> um and so then uh another one of my uh listeners wanna know. So I have a sagging. Um I always I was on the T V show Survivor, um and whenever I podcast about this show Survivor I always have a, a freakiest freak. Um, and that basically is somebody that's like kind of kooky, crazy. Um, do you think the Columbo crime family has a freakiest freak? Or or do you think you probably the freakiest freak of the Columbo family? No, I would say it was my brother, Jerry. Uh, that's why I wanted to, to, to go on the documentary. Like I said, he was like Al Capone and Rodney Dangerfield all mixed together. I mean, he would beat your ass and, and make you laugh at the same time. <laughs> uh, it's just like the fuzzy bunny, uh, the church that he created back then. I mean, oh yeah, freaking hilarious. Now, let, uh, now, what was the name of the church? Was it Fuzzy Bunny? The Church of Fuzzy Bunny. Now, let me ask you this: Did you get baptized? Did you get baptized at the Fuzzy Bunny? <laughs> Oh, no, no, no. But that would be it. That'd be a hell of an episode. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, okay. And then before we conclude this podcast, because I don't want to hold you up too much, but do you know what a zaddy is, Frank? A what? Uh, so a zaddy. So maybe like the same. Z- okay. Do you know what a dilf is? No. Okay. So a zaddy is somebody like, you know, um, let me just break it down for you. Some urban coach, some Philadelphia urban culture for you. So, um, if a female has a crush or finds a guy attractive, instead of saying like, damn, daddy, they'll be like, damn, zaddy. So a lot of people on Twitter have been saying like, Frank Colombo is definitely a zaddy. So, what is your taking to this newfound like sex symbol that you've like gotten yourself into, Frank, with the ball head? Uh, I I haven't heard that thing, <laughs> but I am happily married now for twenty four years. I am one hundred percent taken. So. <laughs> So, so basically, you say Heather ain't, Heather ain't going for the Zaddy title. Heather's not going for that. No, heck no. And she's strapped too. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Frank. Oh. Well, this has absolutely been the highlight of my pandemic i have to say being able to speak with you and just kind of being able to kind of get some more uncovering of mcmillions um so is there any last final words that you want to say before we end this interview uh it's just if anyone wants to see us further right now uh they can follow uh, our family channel smoky drift on youtube or they can go to my instagram uh i go by jam pony 93 
And if they look at my Instagram, uh, they'll realize what it stands for. Uh, I got a Fox body Mustang that's a 93 that has a 15,000 watt commercial audio stereo in there. That's 100% uh, booked by me. So if they want to see more of us, um, they can follow those two leads. Definitely. And are and are you on Twitter as well, too, Frank? Yes, I'm on Twitter as well. I just opened up a Twitter account. I would say it's been about a month, month and a half. So I have a very small following right now on Twitter. Well, we're going to blow that up for you. And what is your name on Twitter? Uh, it is Frank Colombo Jr. All right. Well, you heard it first. We had Frank Colombo on the Purple Pants Podcast. Thank you so much, Frank, for your time. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you and stay safe. And we are back this week with our Survivor News with our resident reporter, Jack Atkins. He's kind of feeling like himself this week. So we got him back to report on Survivor News. What's popping, baby boy? Bryce, what's going on? I'm sorry for my absence last week. I was feeling sick, but feeling better now for the most part and excited to talk about this episode. Yes, I'm glad that you are back as well, too, although Missy was a definite treat. But, you know, it's nothing like having our resident reporter, Jack Atkins, from the University of Austin, stay at home. Austin, what? I I mean, Chicago. I mean, you're going to University of Chicago, but I mean, you're currently taking classes at the University of Austin at home. Houston. Houston, 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 H-Town. No, I got you. I got H-Town, baby. Um, Yeah, I bet you and Missy had a great conversation. Uh, Definitely good to bring her in. She always has some great takes, but I'm I'm glad to be back. Uh, You you said you bet, so that means you didn't listen to last week's episode? I listened. I listened. Mm -hmm. It was solid. The lie detector determines that was a lie. But let's get into this week's Survivor News. So what you got, baby boy? Well, I know you talked to the boy Robert this week uh, to do the recap on the loved one's visit. So I'll keep that portion a, a little more brief unless you want to dive into it. But obviously this this episode was dominated by a lot of the family visit, Bryce. And I know you love you a good family visit. So I do. How, I, what did you think of this one? I thought the family visit was like amazing. I, you know, I love, I always get emotional. Survivor knows how to pull on those heartstrings. It was just really good to see everyone um, with their families. You know, it was especially good to see Sophie with Bobby. It was good to see Kim with Brian. It was good to see Jeremy with Val. It was good to see Denise with her husband. It was good to see Tyson with Rachel and his one daughter. It was like really good. And it was really good that the people on Edge of Extinction got to have loved one visits as well, too. I'm kind of sad that I went to Portugal and that I missed the opportunity to go out there for Wendell but I think uh, Wendell Sr. held it down for us Philadelphians but overall I thought it was good. I I loved to see the families. Yeah it was crazy seeing all those little kids running around Uh, and then obviously just you know definitely got me a little bit emotional too seeing a bunch of these legends. Really I think Survivor did their part out of respect to just kind of show as a thank you to bring not only the players families out but their kids out and everyone on Edge of Extinction. Any any visits that struck you in particular? I thought a lot of the visits struck me particular that how many survivor babies we have. Like how many people like had children like while they were like filming Survivor or like when they first filmed Survivor they didn't have kids and now they have kids or how many people met on Survivor and then had kids. It's like, you know, there's a whole generation of Survivor babies. Yeah, it's crazy. And and there's just so many I mean, I guess toddler aged kids out there. Uh, and I guess that's kind of just a testament to, you know, a lot of these players are the same age and the same phase of their life. And like Michelle said in one of her confessionals, um, this may have been a secret scene, but she was saying, you know, she feels a little uh, outcast being the only single one out there. I, I don't know why they didn't bring Wendell in to give her a visit. 
but she was with her sister, whereas everyone else had their significant other. Most of them had kids. And Michelle, at this point in the show, you know, she doesn't obviously doesn't have any kids. Uh, and, and then it was just visited by her sister. So it was definitely a different dynamic. And you could see why a lot of these players are connecting over their families, because a lot of them, not to say that their families were like the same, but a lot of them were in similar situations that I'm sure it made it easy to connect over. Definitely. But although Nick doesn't have kids, even though he has fiance, neither does Sophie. Mm-hmm. But do you think, what, what were your thoughts on like a Survivor Junior? I believe at one point in time they did film like a Survivor Junior, but I don't think it ever made air. Really? I, I didn't, like, a official Survivor thing? Or like, like a, yeah. I, like, maybe I'm just making this up because, you know, I fell earlier this week, so maybe my mind is somewhere else. But I, I do remember, like, I maybe I'm Purple Pants Posse. Let me know if I'm crazy or not. Are but you I saying do, with, with Survivor babies or you're saying with just younger people? Like with juniors, like 13 and 14-year-olds. I, I really believe that they there did was something a show, like that. There was a show called Endurance that I watched that was, like, basically Survivor, but it was, like, 12 to 15-year-olds. Maybe that was it. I don't know. But I remember it kind of sort of being something like Survivor, but it kind of sort of got scrapped, so they didn't use it. But that would be an interesting concept, like Survivor Juniors. Would you be here for that? I mean, growing up, that Endurance was my favorite show, and that was, I mean, as far as you're saying, that was almost like a Survivor Junior, and that was my favorite show. So I, I don't know if right now I'd be as here for it, but I, I'd be interested, maybe not, you know, like 14-year-olds, but... I, maybe even people in my age group getting some teenagers out there that are like 16 and 19. I think that could be an interesting element on the show. It reminds me of, you might be too young, but I feel like Nickelodeon used to have a, a show like called Slime, where like the kids would compete in like different challenges. Like Legend that. of so, the Hidden Temple? Yeah. Yeah, oh. that show was fire. I th- apparently they're uh, remaking it, but in like for adults and they're going to do it in like the Amazon rainforest or something. Oh, I feel like yeah. I heard about that. I don't know if that got held up because of uh, quarantine, but I remember hearing about that. Oh, that sounds fun. But yeah, it, it was really good to see all the people with their loved ones and their families. I always just love to see a different side of people, especially like Tony, someone who is, you know, their character is someone's crazy, and like neurotic, yeah. but to see him like, you know, with his paint, his baby cakes and his daughter, I, I just, I love seeing stuff like that. Yeah, it was, it was a great to see different side of people and also just a, a wonderful tribute for the players, even like Adam too. I know that he gained a lot of closure from this experience uh, and just, just to get to see the different side of the players and have them have this amazing experience experience that they've definitely earned it definitely made me like i almost had forgot that like on adam's season that he won that his mom was his loved one visit like i forgot about that that one really touched me a lot like to know that like it's almost for full circle for adam to have his dad come after like you know Susie was out there and you know well, Susie wasn't out there uh his season it was his brother but in his family visit his brother had broken the bad news about oh. his mother so but adam you know adam in his original season and this season definitely feels like his mom is out there with him so it's kind of like he's got the whole family out on the island now which is definitely uh fantastic yeah uh, it's such a sad story regarding adam and his mom but i love the fact that uh, the one thing that um adam outside of this game uh really inspires me a lot is that like you know his hashtag live like Susie and how he does not let the death of his mom like hold him back and he actually uses it to allow him to propel forward and to live his life to the fullest like his mom would have wanted i love that mantra so much it like it just rings home to me so much yeah totally i mean nothing but respect for Adam and it was great to see him get his dad out there uh and then you know moving forward in the episode we get right into an immunity challenge and can you believe Bryce Tony wins his first individual immunity ever 
it was so crazy. I'm like, because mind you, Tony is like one of those players. Like, obviously, like we compared, like Tony is self-proclaimed lion he's fast Um, and sloppy yes (laughs) but when we like compare people to like tony and ben who ben was somebody who dominated the challenges and it was like you know a lot of people say the reason why ben won was because of so many what was it the challenges or the idols idols. the idols the idols the idols the idols the idols but you know it just makes me respect tony's gameplay so much more that like you know he's one kagian without winning any challenges without Mm -hmm. having any immunities um and to see him win a challenge was great but i always loved it because like um this was was this wait i'm 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 all over the place this was this the challenge wait this was uh uh, this is where they had to stack the blocks. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. And, and it was so funny because I felt like I did this challenge because, again, like when we were in South Africa uh, competing for the Night Lady Christian Academy, and you know, your baby boy was in the final four. This was one of our final four challenges. Oh, and yeah. I, I almost won it, but I couldn't, like, our baby boy was getting too hyped towards the end, and I will always lose it. But this definitely um, is a challenge that I did not think something like Tony would win because Tony is so fast-paced and all over the place. Mm-hmm. I didn't think that he would be able to hold them reins so steady. I think, yeah, I think this challenge win for Tony almost epitomizes the, the, the change in his game he's made this season where he's now, you know, this, this challenge requires patience. It requires uh, uh, nimble touch, and Tony is basically in the past was known for being the opposite of that. Whereas the season we see him taking it slow, being patient. And then he does the same thing in his challenge and comes out with a win. So, you know, I've, I've loved what we've seen from Tony so far. He hasn't had a single vote against him this season. He's we're getting down to, you know, the, the, the top, the end of the game and he's, he's playing well. And we see in the preview for next episode, he's about to start, uh, cranking things up a little bit and go go classic Tony, which I'm very excited about. Definitely. It makes me worrisome for Tony a little bit because obviously, like, you know, Tony's self-proclaimed lion, um, this has to put a huge target on his back. The fact that now he's winning immunity challenges, um, he is where he is, and he seems to be the center of the nucleus of this Survivor season. Like, you know, no vote mm-hmm. goes down without his approval. He's like the godfather out here. So um, it definitely makes me worrisome for him because it's like, oh, my God, are are they going to target him next week? Is Are we going to get rid of Tony? I don't know. But it also it just makes me think, like, wow, what a good player Tony is. And maybe he is one of the people that they should have took out pre-merge. Maybe it's true that, like, what they say is that, like, Tony is not somebody that you can allow to get to the merge because he'll dominate the game. Yeah, totally. But I do think just from what we've seen from Tony so far, he, he you know he has that potential to go – you know, full crazy Tony, but so far the game he's playing, if I'm in the game, I actually really would enjoy him as an ally. One, he's a great guy, great guy to be around, but additionally, he's been very loyal to his group so far. And he's also the type of guy who's going to be blunt and give it to you like it is, which like we see with Sarah, where he's, when you can, when you have an ally where you can openly disagree and debate something, I think that's actually extremely valuable in the game of Survivor because you're not worried about someone turning on you over some debate. Mm-hmm. And Tony's the type of guy who's going to be blunt and not afraid to debate the best option, which is something I actually really value if I'm his ally. Definitely, but it makes me worrisome for Sarah because you know it makes me think of like cops are us alliance uh, back in Kakian when Sarah trusted Tony and Tony kind of sort of backstabs her, and I kind of got a glimpse of that this week as well, where you know Sarah definitely won 
wanted Kim out for good reason. And, you know, Tony's like, no, 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 no. But it seemed like they came to a decision to get, you know, they came to a decision of who they're going to vote with. And then the second Tony got with someone else, Tony switched it up. And then Tony said to uh, Sarah, oh, the reason why we switched it up is because he was coming for you. He wasn't coming for Sarah necessarily. He said that he needed to break Sarah and Sophie up. And it looked like, you know, um, Jeremy, Jeremy said that. And it looked like Jeremy was more so targeting Sophie than Sarah. So it leads me to believe that, I mean, obviously, as much Tony is playing for the good of his alliance, Tony is still playing for himself. So it makes me worrisome for my other Kagian partner, uh, Sarah, out there. Yeah, that's, that's fair. And I mean, let's just dive right into the, the pre-tribal strategy that we get a glimpse of here. Um, we see a couple contingencies break out finally because the first few votes, we didn't really have any sturdy alliances. Here we have Ben, Sophie, Sarah from uh, that that green tribe. Uh, and then you, they bring in Tony, obviously, as, you know, Cops Are Us member, but just a good alliance member. And then we also see the, the kind of the remnants of that poker alliance with Tyson, Jeremy, and Kim coming together. Um, but more so not because of the poker alliance, but almost in spite of it, because everyone else has kind of put the target on them. Uh, and we get a brief bit of strategy here where we see, you know, Jeremy is going to be one of the targets. Uh, and that's, we don't, we don't get a whole lot of pre-tribal uh, information other than that these two factions are about to go off against each other. But we come into tribal Bryce with a lot of advantages and in coming into play. We have Sarah's vote steal. We have Jeremy's safety without power. And then, you know, Kim's idol comes into play. Uh, and I just kind of want to quickly touch upon each of these uh, the uses of each of these advantages in this tribal, and, and, and we can kind of get our thoughts. I'll, I'll kick it off. I think Sarah's uh, vote steal play was pretty sound, but not too much to discuss there. But going to Jeremy's uh, safety without power advantage, I've seen some lashback on him for you know abandoning his alliance. Nope. But nope, I'm listen. I'm going to shut that down right now because I'm. Well, I was about to say I'm. I'm. I'm not, that there's no. There should be no lashback. Absolutely, because we obviously saw that once Jam Jeremy left tribal, you know they had to scramble, which signals to me that they were going to vote Jeremy out. So I ain't mad at Jeremy at all. If you think the heat is on you, I'm out. I'm ghost. See ya. Goodbye. See ya back at the 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 camp because i'm not going to be here for it so i thought that that play for him was actually genius um it did make me wonder about sarah like if i were sarah i might have held on to that steal a vote a little bit longer than this tribal right now just because uh, like i don't know i didn't feel yeah. go ahead so so yeah i mean i think jeremy obviously had to use it he had a sense the target was on his back and he also knew sarah based on the interactions they had towards the end of tribal he knew sarah had something sneaky like a steal a vote or a extra vote. So he knew he had a skedaddle. So, and the game is so fluid that like these alliances are not going to stick the rest of the game, I don't think. So Jeremy knew he could go back to camp and kind of recollect. Sarah with her steal a vote. You know, one of my policies with the extra vote or the steal a vote is that you really don't want to use it when there is... Or I guess with an extra vote, it's a little different than a steal a vote. But for Sarah here, you know, at that point where Jeremy's gone, she's pretty sure her group has the numbers. So to me, sure, the steal a vote is a good way to solidify that. But like you said, it's kind of unnecessary because if you do have the numbers, then the steal a vote is kind of a waste. And if you don't have the numbers, then I don't know if the steal a vote is really going to change anything. Definitely. Then here is something that I discussed with Rob, but I don't think we got into too much detail about it. Uh, when Sophie was like, how about the five of us just go and talk? And, you know, we discussed who we're sending home now did you feel like nick was really a part of that five or did you feel like it was michelle i thought michelle had more standing to be with that five than nick what what are your thoughts on that i, I thought nick was the original add 
on to that five. And then I think Michelle kind of was with that other group, but decided to jump ship a little bit and just join into that group. But I, and I'm going to rant about this towards the end of this discussion, Bryce, because I've been waiting. I, I, I'll get into this in a bit, but we just really didn't see enough to actually know. It. We, we don't really know where Michelle's head was at all here. We don't really know where Nick's head was at because we know they were on the same side of the votes for a long time. And then here it, it's made out to be like they're on separate sides, but then ultimately Michelle comes over and joins them. But I do think Nick is probably more a part of that that alliance that's currently dominant or not dominating, but has control. I think Nick is more of a part of that than Michelle is. Definitely. And so there was another thing that I talked about with Rob that we didn't really go into too much, but he kind of sort of shut it down. So if say, if uh, Kim put her idol towards Tyson, would who would have went home? Would Denise have went home then? Um, I think, yeah. So the, the, the split was a little bit weird because Michelle flipped, but I actually think that um, who was who it they put their votes on on the other side? Um, it was was it was it Sarah? No, it was uh, I don't know. Was it Sarah? It wasn't Sarah. It was or was it Sarah? I think it was Sarah. I think it was. I think it was. Sarah. It was either Sarah. No, it's or Sophie. Sophie. It was Sophie. It was Sophie. It was, it was Sophie. Sophie. Yeah. I think Sophie might have got Sophie got or did Sophie only get two votes because I think it was two Denise's vote. vote got stealed. Yeah, so I think I, I guess the split did work out then. I think uh Denise would have gone well, I guess Sophie would have gone home because Denise had the idol played for her, but if she had played if Kim had played the idol for Tyson, then I think Denise would have gone home. So and then if you are in Kim's alliance, who do you think it was smart to let them take Tyson out, or do you think it would have been smarter for you to uh let them take Denise out? I think it's probably smarter to take if you're Kim here and I just heard analyzing your idol play while watching the episode, I was like, Kim, you kind of got to play this for yourself. Here. You really don't know what's going to happen. But looking back on it, she kind of knew she didn't need to play it for herself because she knew Sophie knew that she had an idol. And of course, Sophie going off to talk to everyone probably said Kim has an idol. So Kim knows she's probably safe. Uh, and then going off of that, I think if you're Kim, you probably are better off with Tyson going. Just because Tyson, to me, is a little bit more of a maybe a flip-flopper than Denise. Obviously, he's on Kim's side right now. But he also came back from the edge and probably has more support from the jury. And in addition, like Kim and Tyson might be seen as more of a duo than uh, Denise just because of that poker connection they had. So Kim, by maybe letting Tyson, obviously he didn't want Tyson to go home, but I think it's better that she saves Denise because if Tyson goes, that that loosens her uh, apparent connection to him that other people might be catching on to. Definitely. So now that we see the 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 majority five alliance, do you feel like the alliance will stay strong and just pick off these four people? Or do you feel like it's anyone's game at this point? No, I think it's anyone's game. And, and I think that's, like I said, that's why it's so solid that Jeremy just used his advantage when he was sussed out because the game is going to be so fluid that eventually things are going to start to break down a little bit. If if Sophie, Sarah, and Tony... I, I see a good four in Sophie, Sarah, Ben, and Tony, but I think eventually one of the, a few of those people will realize that other connections within that group might be stronger and then opt to try to target each other. Although with this fire fi final four fire-making twist, you can kind of safely go to the final four with your alliance of four because at that point, it's kind of just up to who wins the challenge and who can make fire. But I do think things will be fluid, especially with so many powerhouses in that group. Like we see Tony, obviously a great player. Sarah is so cutthroat. Sophie has played a great strategic game. And then there's Ben. But <laughs> uh, obviously um, there's other people on the outside of that, as Tony would say, like the hyenas or maybe the llamas like Nick and Michelle that 
of course, they're playing their own games here, but people might see that they could be a little bit easier to become the jury potentially. So I, I definitely foresee some switch ups. But Bryce, just to get into this rant that I've kind of been saving up this week, to me, coming into the seat, like we've used this oven met, uh, analogy all season long. And, and, and like we said, we said the pizza's in the oven, the oven's on full blast. Bryce, right now it feels like there is a pizza in the oven for me. It's going to be the most magnificent pizza of all time. And it's like, I'm only allowed to take one bite of this pizza. I can't eat the whole pizza because this edit, Bryce, the, the show, it, it's just simply not long enough where we have 25 minutes of the family visit. We have 20 minutes of commercials. We finish the challenge and they give us like five minutes of whispering. Then we get to tribal council and it's more whispering. No one knows like, not, not, uh, there's probably the most layers of strategy within the game right now than, than of any season ever. And us as viewers get to barely witness any of it. And I feel kind of lost, Bryce. And, I, and I'm not putting this on Survivor because even Jeff himself so, tried to get, I feel like tried to get longer episodes for us. But this is just on like CBS because they want to air fucking oh. SEAL team after the episode of Survivor. With like who, like who, do you know who David Boreanaz <laughs> is? Every time I hear, I hear SEAL teams next with David Boreanaz. It's like, dude, David, I don't care about you. <laughs> if we could get 30 more minutes, we would actually know what's going on with this show. And we would understand that the Im- immense layers of strategy that are going into this winter season. And it's just like, not only if you say each episode was two hours, not only would people still watch because obviously there's not much going on, not much else going on, but the added layers of strategy and and social game and character growth, I think would have people even more invested and probably raise your numbers just to, as a comparison, the, 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 sorry to, to go on for so long, but the first episode, the premiere was two hours. And I felt like that was the best episode of the season edit wise. And maybe the one of the best of all time, because there was just so much going on and we got to see into every layer of what's going on in the tribe. And now it's just like, I'm sitting here watching people whisper and I don't know what's going to happen and nothing's being explained. Well, I mean, true, but mind you, SEAL Team is actually not a bad show, just saying. <laughs> but, that, that. but I also bump feel it to, like... Bump I, it an hour later. I, I like the fact that we don't know. So, and sometimes in life, there are a lot of things that we don't know. So sometimes I like it when it's a mystery. The, the, the one thing that pisses me off the most in Survivor is that like when we have a clear somebody going home and then they edit someone in there to like possibly be a target i hate that like that's just like so annoying to me because obviously it's like we know who's going to go home so in this one where we're kind of sort of left in the dark i like it a little bit it kind of gives us the suspense now i know a lot of survivor fans are like oh i don't have enough time to see what's going on but listen we always got next episode we got three more episodes left but i'm just saying i like the suspense a little bit like you know fool me a little bit like i I like it so i'm not as revved up as you are but i definitely know you personally and you are somebody that lives for the strategy and lives to hear what's going on know what's going on but i ain't so mad at it but you know no that's that's fair and i don't mind that here and there but it feels like every episode since the merge we don't really know what's going on this is the first episode where they really give us insight to any alliance and it feels so such like they've given us such a basic structure of what's going on there's like no levels to it and i know what you mean i don't mind being surprised here and there like last episode with adam i thought was the edit was similar in that it was very convoluted going in with everyone running around for like 10 minutes and then we have this epic tribal where Adam tries to get this floor to lease. And I thought that was fun. But then it just it feels like it's happening again and again. And I know the finale is going to be three hours.
hours, and I know the penultimate episode is going to be two hours. Oh. So I'm really hoping those are the episodes where they could kind of tie everything together and tell us the story that needs to be told. But it just feels like th- there's something missing for me right now. Well, I mean, you know what they say, less is more. You know, it keeps them coming back. But the real question is, will you be back next week to break down next week's episode with us? Of, of course, knock on wood, I don't get sick again. Because, dude, right now I'm having like an allergic reaction oh, to my no. the medicine I was taking. So I'm like covered in hives but now i'm on other medicine to fix that so it's been it's been a time for baby boy but knock on wood i'll be i'll be ready to go next week or i guess by the time this drops the episode will be like tomorrow but i'll be here on the next episode ready to break it all down and i'm hoping we get a little more get to see a little more to talk about but fingers crossed i'm excited but yeah you need a nice little oatmeal bath uh jack to help clear up them hives but yes but we'll got you covered and we will be back next week with survivor news with our baby boy jack atkins of course thank you for having me bryce Keeping the menu rolling, we are on to Insecure. This is season four, episode two. So like I was explaining to you guys before last week, Insecure, it follows the main character, Issa, who is like a quirky young girl, just basically trying to figure out her way. And it's really about all of her her friends. Um, And so we know we have her best friend named Molly, who is a lawyer, who is very like, you know, bougietto, as like I like to say. She is very bougie. Uh, You know, she ghetto, but she is like a loads of fun. Um, And so we know that Issa has been working on this block party uh, that she's really been trying to put together. Issa is kind of like at a pivotal point in her life where she left a job that she was at forever, like her job security. She kind of like, you know, broke up with her ex-boyfriend of five years, Lawrence, which took a very much soul toll on her season two and three, kind of break that down for you. So you guys need to catch up. Go ahead and catch up because Insecure is such a great show. But so in this episode, we see Issa still moving forward with her block party now we know that she is working with this young lady named Kendola Kendola is a new friend of Issa she met Kendola at her friend Tiffany's baby shower now the tea on Kendola is at the baby shower last season Kendola met Lawrence which is you know Issa's ex-boyfriend of five years they have been dating so Issa finds out that Kendola has been dating Lawrence and it's like you know awkward can you imagine I couldn't imagine somebody I'm dating for five years and I meet some girl and she started talking those is fighting words I'm ready to fight but you know Issa really wants this block party to work and she knows that Condola is a key component Condola has all the connections Condola knows how to do these type of things so Issa is putting her big girl panties on and she really is like you know putting it to the side and saying like you know what we can work together so they're really kind of like making this friendship they're really kind of like you know moving forward and even like as the friendship kind of like blossoms they go this episode to look at some event spaces for the block party and while they're at this one location that Issa loves Kendola really loves it and so as they're like wrapping it up they just make a small talk like what you doing this weekend girl like what's up and Kendola's like well I'm actually going away to I forget where she's saying but it's somewhere like that's like couple bound like you know a cabin log retreat somewhere and Issa's like where you going who you going Ooh. and then Issa kind of sort of remembers like Ooh, she must be going there with Lawrence so they really have this breakthrough moment where Issa is like listen I know you're dating Lawrence I don't want it to be awkward like you know why should things be awkward over somebody that eats mayonnaise with their french fries and so they really have a good laugh about that and they're able to kind of like laugh through this awkward situation um and so we know that Issa 
Issa's best friend is Molly. And we know that from the first episode, it really sets us up that Issa and Molly have a falling out. And so we see that Issa's getting close to Condola. So Condola is out like on a date with Lawrence. And basically, Lawrence orders french fries and asks for mayonnaise. And Condola like laughs at it. And like he's like, what's funny? And so she's like, oh, me and Issa kind of talked about that. And so obviously to Lawrence, Lawrence is like, I don't want my ex-girlfriend, you know, laughing with my new girlfriend. So that really kind of makes him feel uncomfortable. So we see Lawrence talking about it with his friends and his friends are like, I would be mad. Yeah, that's crazy. You need to do that. So Lawrence is like, you know, what should I do? Should I say something to Condola? And they're like, no, you shouldn't say anything to Condola. It'll make it seem like you're being too sensitive. They're like, should I text Issa? And they're like, I don't know if you should text Issa because then it might make it seem like you being too harsh to Issa. But later in the episode, we see that Lawrence texts Issa and they meet up and Lawrence is like, hey, listen, I really don't want you talking about me to my new girlfriend. And Issa's like, we weren't really talking about you, but he really kind of sort of gets that understanding. Now, Back to Molly. Molly is dating this new guy named Andrew, um, who is not really Molly's type. He's Asian. Um, and Molly has historically been dating African American guys. But Molly really, 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 really likes Andrew. And tr- listen, I said it last time, I say it again. Andrew is cute. So Molly needs to stop tripping. But Molly's issue with Andrew is that, like, they're always, like, going out. They're always, like, you know, having a good time. They have good sex. But they, she doesn't seem like Andrew is letting her in. So that's really like an issue for her. So it is Halloween. And so they all are at Tiffany's house. And, you know, Issa's there. And basically Molly kind of brings up sort of like the issues that she's having with Andrew. And so Molly didn't even tell Issa that her and Andrew had sex. And so, again, we keep seeing these pivotal points in Molly and Issa's relationship like well if that's your best friend Issa should have been the first person that you told that you like you gave the goodies up to Andrew but as Issa learns more about it Issa is like girl are you sure you're not making a a mountain out of a anthill or how go a, a mountain out of a mole or something but you know she's basically saying like are you sure you're not making like a situation up out of nothing like you know if the sex is good you guys have fun together what more is it but obviously we see that Molly like she just don't want good sex I mean chill you know if we open in the world back up you know who don't want good sex but she wants more than that like you know Molly wants a real relationship and so Issa again kind of sort of minimizes her issues with Andrew and that kind of like again we see them breaking apart even more so Issa is at a dinner not a dinner but like a work meeting with Condola um, and they're finishing up figuring out who they're going to get to be the headliner for the block party that Issa's having and so Molly comes obviously like Issa was like well listen I can do my work date with Condola and then Molly can come and we can have dinner Uh, me and Molly can have dinner and catch up and so obviously Molly is really kind of like wanting to share with Issa more about this connection with Andrew Andrew um, that or lack of connection that she's not having with Andrew so Molly gets there and Molly sees Condola there now Molly is like any good best friend if I'm Molly and I see my friend you know out to lunch with this girl who is dating my friend's ex-boyfriend I ain't gonna like her so Molly ain't really too happy to see Condola but Although Condola is cool and like, you know, it is a mature of Issa to like want to be friends with Condola. But baby, I don't know if I could do it. So Molly is like, hi, how you doing? And so, you know, Condola's like, oh, you guys are going to have dinner. Like, I'll go. And Issa's like, no, stay, stay, stay. But, you know, it's kind of awkward because Molly is really like, girl, you could go. But anyway, Condola basically stays and they kind of have, you know, 
a lunch or a dinner and you can just see the awkwardness in this relationship. Now, Molly goes on to set up a date with Andrew and Andrew's like, oh, I got a Summer Walker concert tickets. We should go. And Molly's like, no, I think we should stay in. I really want to kind of like, you know, talk. And so he comes over, she cooks for him and you know, Molly's like talking about her family, her life and she really kind of starts to dig deep a little bit into Andrew's life and Andrew is very, 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 very like standoffish and so it really kind of puts Molly in a weird way and so they kind of get into a fight and Andrew leaves. Now, every Sunday, uh, Issa and Molly have been doing a like soulful Sunday where they really like get together, they do yoga and like a self-care Sunday which I love. I'm here for it. Anybody that follows the purple pants instagram y'all know i'm always trying to promote self-care sunday so at their self-care sunday they go for a hike and at the hike Issa is really kind of like unpacking you know oh i got schoolboy q to be the headliner and molly kind of tells Issa that she got into a fight with andrew uh while they are on their hike andrew calls molly and basically says like hey i'm sorry for not wanting to open up i just have a really hard time with opening up with people and i feel like you know you deserve better and i really want to like work on it And so that's like a really good thing for Molly. Like, yes, come on, Molly, get Andrew back. So after she hangs up, Issa's like, who was that? And Molly's like, oh, it's a work thing. Again, another pivotal point in Molly and Issa's relationship where we see that something that, you know, you will want to tell your best friend, you don't tell your best friend. And so we really kind of see the breakdown of Molly and Issa. So I don't really like it because, you know, I'm one for friends always staying together and rooting out for each other. But it's just so interesting to see like the unwinding of their friendship and so that's really like the recap of the episode a lot of other little funny stuff happens during the episode but listen that's up to y'all purple pants posse to get into insecure watch the episode get caught up on the past seasons because it's really 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 a great show i love it comes on sunday nights at 10 o'clock on hbo now let's get into the housewives of new york now last recap i gave you i kind of was in the middle of episode two and then you know episode three came around so I just want to break down what's been going on with the housewives so we know Ramona invited all of the girls to the Hamptons to her Hamptons house and just a recap of the girls there is Ramona there is Sonia there is Luann there's Dorinda there's Tinsley and Tinsley's new friend Leah so we know that Ramona put Luann in the basement it seems to be a common thread throughout all of the seasons that you know the housewives anybody that watched the housewives we know the girls always fight over rooms whenever they go on a vacation with no matter what season, no matter Beverly Hills, Atlanta, Potomac, they always want the best room. But, you know, the countess really feels like she always gets the worst stint of the rooms. So Ramona thinking she doing something good for Luann and puts it in the basement. Now, mind you, the basement is a finished basement. It's nice child is bigger than my whole apartment. Uh, but Luann is not happy with it. And we see like, you know, Luann picking at like, you know, the TV. It's, you know, it's cold so nevertheless they go out to dinner that night and when they go out to dinner child Ramona is Miss Popular okay she hey hey oh I I know everybody here I know the waiter hey Bob hey Christy hey Joan like she's speaking to everybody and, and the girls are over it they're even at dinner and the phone rings and Ramona picks up and Dorinda is like are you here with us like be here with us and so 
you know, they all over Ramona. But anybody that watches Housewives of New York, y'all know Ramona always on turtle time. So the next day comes and it's the next morning and they are going to a winery and everyone's there but Luann. And so Dorinda lets us know that Luann did not sleep well in the basement. She had a crook in her neck. And so Luann is going to her chiropractor uh, to get adjusted and then she's going to meet up with them. So they get to the winery and, you know, it's a cute little winery and, you know, Luann texts Ramona saying, like, unfortunately, like, I'm not feeling that good. I'm going to go home and I'll meet up with you later. And so Ramona's like, oh, I'm, I'm mad that Luann's not coming with us. Now, mind you, the new girl, Leah, who I like, she's younger. I really feel like a New York needs a lot of younger blood because a lot of the women in the Housewives of New Jersey, they're like, not New Jersey, of New York, they're over 50. So Leah is in her 30s, she's cute, and Leah is like, well, obviously if Luann just got off of probation, you know, she has uh, alcohol addiction, why the hell would she want to come to a winery? Like, but you know, these girls are so self-absorbed, they don't even really get to see that. So, but they had a really good moment at the winery where Ramona, like, has a game for all of the girls to kind of get to know each other and kind of like, you know, the whole point of them coming to Ramona's house is you know a sister retreat for them to get to know each other better so Ramona starts this game where she wants everyone to say something that's like vulnerable about themselves and so Ramona starts it off of course you know Ramona has to be the center of attention Ramona starts it off and basically says that like she's at a point in her life where you know she got a divorce from Mario she's single you know her daughter is I think she graduated college or is in college and she really feels alone in her life. And, you know, she shares with us that she lost her mother about five years ago and that like, you know, she was driving back from the Hamptons and she really had an epiphany where like, She's all alone. And like, you know, she's at a point in her life where she doesn't really know what the next chapter would be. And that's kind of scary for her. And of course, as much as I want to hate Ramona, I definitely can like relate to that. Like, you know, being in a, a new phase in your life and you don't really know what is to come um, and to be without your mom. So I definitely can relate to that. Leah, on the other hand, kind of shares with us about how when she was younger, she, you know, dibbled and dabbled in drug and alcohol. And then she had to go to a rehab when she was like, 17 and when she got out of the rehab her parents were like you got we got younger siblings in the house we can't have you be a bad influence around them so when Leah got out of the rehab she shares with them that they mom, her mom and dad was like you can't come home and they basically took her to a halfway house run by nuns and that's where kind of Leah like spent the next couple of months and I was like oh wow like you know Leah been through some things um, and then Dorinda kind of shares that you know Dorinda was married uh, to a very affluent man he died uh she had a daughter um, and now she's dating this new guy John now John is a mess he owns a cleaning business and John and Dorinda like to drink okay but Dorinda has a very set schedule with John like he come over Monday Wednesdays and Fridays and other than that Dorinda is on her own Dorinda has a house in the Berkshires that Dorinda loves and Dorinda is just dealing with a lot she sold her New York condo and is in a a new condo her daughter moved out um, and she's having problems at her Berkshires house and she really feels like all of the weight of the world is on her shoulders and she just like wishes that her ex-husband was there because she always felt like with her ex-husband he was the one to take care of everything and she didn't really have to worry and now she feels like everything is on her um, and so I kind of relate to that as well too like when you feel like the weight of the world is all on you and like there's no one that you can kind of lean on like that's definitely a scary situation um, and then Tinsley kind of reveals that she is 
wants to have children. You know, she got out of a very bad relationship with this guy named Scott that she on again, off again, on again, off again, on again, off again. Um, and that like, you know, she's been dating this new guy. Now we kind of get to the tip of the iceberg because last episode I was telling y'all that, you know, her and Tinsley and Dorinda got into it because Dorinda felt like Tinsley was not like opening up to everyone. It kind of felt like she was being very superficial. So here at this lunch, you know, Tinsley is really kind of saying like, well, I'm dating this guy who's got kids and mind you, baby, Leah, this, listen, I like Leah. She is very spicy and she reminds me of me. And as Tinsley is like talking about this guy, uh, Leah is like, well, he don't really appreciate you and he don't treat you how you should treat. And Dorinda like, oh, now we getting the tea. Now we getting the tea. So this guy that Tinsley is dating, obviously he's wealthy. He's got children and you know, Tinsley wants children. She doesn't feel like she at this age of her life will have children, but she can have children. She can freeze her eggs um, because she talks about that in previous seasons. But, you know, she is kind of like finding a new normal. And like, you know, I like the fact that he has kids and like, but her issue is, is that like, you know, she spent the summer with him and she felt like it was a lot of his kids birthday doing things for him and not really so much for them. Then, girl, Sonia Morgan. Y'all know Sonia Morgan is a mess. Now, mind you, Sonia Morgan has had her ups and downs with my, I believe, like, you know, drug and alcohol, allegedly. But, you know, a lot of times when I see Sonia, I feel like she on pills or something. But you, Sonia been drinking, and we know when Sonia drinks, she gets messy. So she's like, they're starting to drink at the winery. And Sonia basically starts talking about a number of different things. Like, she's talking about her kid going away to college. She had to downsize anybody that knows Sonya she used to have this like townhouse that was cute but very outdated she had to sell that because you know times got hard then all of a sudden she starts talking about you know every now and then a penis comes in well child where the penis coming in but Sonya just drunk and talking in circles so they're leaving the winery and Ramona's like oh I'm you know, tonight I have a cocktail party uh, at my friend's house and I really want to leave out of here early to go to the house to help set up. So all the girls are like, well, we can leave together. And Ramona's like, no, you guys go back to my house and then I'm going to go help my friend set up. So after everything happens, uh, the girls are back at Ramona's house. Ramona's there and Ramona tells Dorinda that, well, I didn't really go to the friend's house. I went on a date. Now, if anybody knows the housewives and been watching the housewives, Ramona always got a date. She always leave an event early to go to date listen i'm trying to get somebody to text me back i'm trying to get somebody to be my quarantine bay how the hell ramona in her 60s getting more action than me so luann comes back and you know luann is back from the chiropractor she's feeling better and the ladies are all getting ready to go now luann got on this like floral redress and these white boots luann where you going now mind you ah you know me i love me some counters and you know money can't buy you class but girl money should be able to buy you some style i wasn't really feeling luann's uh, get up for this uh party that they're going to they're going to this very affluent guys like 39.9999999999 million dollar house and so they are going to his house they get there and you know ramona is acting very grand de dealer like, you know, oh, these are my friends. These are my friends. And mind you, let me also tell y'all, Sonia been drinking the whole time from the winery to when she was getting ready. And Sonia is Lichiani at this party. Sonia is like embarrassing lit. Now, mind you, I done had a couple of them days. Okay. A lot of the times the even the story of like how baby boy came about last summer when I was out with Wendell and Julia Carter, when Julia Carter came to Philly, baby, I was like this type of drunk that Sonia was drunk. But. 
So they are at this millionaire's house. And mind you, I think it's so funny that when they get to the house, uh, Luann or I think Tinsley mentioned that like the house is for sale. Now, mind you, I'm going to get back to that point in a second. So they get to this party. Uh, Sonya acting a mess. Ramona then switched up. She's not acting like her normal self. She's acting very like, you know, she don't really know who these girls are. Uh, but and listen, what I love about Leah, Leah's commentary is so funny. Leah's like, this party is dry. This ain't nothing but old white men. And they all dry. So the party is whack, but they got alcohol. So the girls is drinking. Um, and so the owner of the house comes and he takes the girls for a tour of the house. Now, Dorinda is like Dorinda was married to a guy uh, that was from I think he was British. Uh, so she's like, you know, a lot of the American ways I don't get. She like, I don't I think it's tacky if you have a cocktail party at your house and you take a tour of the house. She's like, I just think it's tacky. Now, mind you, like I said, the house is for sale. Now, I can guarantee you guys that the reason why they had this dinner party at this house is because they really wanted the real housewives in New York there so that they could take a tour of this house so that people could see this house. Because first of all, it's $39.99999 million. Not a lot of people got that money like that. And I'm sure they really just wanted this house featured on the Real Housewives of New York so that it could open up to the buyer. So people would be like, oh, this house is beautiful. So anyway, long story short, they are just in this house. Sonya acting a mess. Okay. Sonya getting into an argument with one of mind you, Sonya is just acting a mess. I'm just like, child, if this is really how I am, somebody need to slap me. But Sonya just acting drunk. Um, and so one of like they meet up with another like friend of the show, and you know, she calls Sonya. She says Sonya's marriage when Sonya was married to, you know, her her, her ex-husband, Mr. Morgan. She's like, you know, you were just an accessory. And Sonya's like, Don't you call me an accessory? How dare you? Call me an accessory. Like, yeah, that's how drunk she is. She's like embarrassing. It's like almost hard to watch, but I'm watching while I'm eating my hot Cheetos and drinking my wine. So that's basically the party. They basically make an abrupt exit because like they probably get kicked out. The guy probably like, y'all need to go. So they leave. Uh, the ladies are drunk. Ramona is still just like, you know, flirting with guys. And so then we wake up the next morning and, you know, all of the girls are like hungover and Dorinda wakes up and she's like, we got a problem. We got a problem problem Luann left Luann left now child y'all know Luann ain't want to be in that basement although the basement was nice I'd have been happy to have the basement okay but Luann didn't like the basement there were spiders in there Luann said it smelled like dog piss and so she sent this group text message not a text message just to Ramona telling her how upset she was she sent a group text message talking about you know from the lower level I never felt welcome how dare you say you're going to give me a nice room you put me in the basement with spiders no TV I got a crook in my neck and it smelled like pig first of all let me invite somebody to my house and I got a group of people there and you send a text message saying my basement smell like piss Luann listen don't be all uncool okay money can't buy you class listen Listen, so Ramona sends her a voice message uh, like, you know, Luann, I'm so sorry. And again, anybody that watches The Real Housewives of New York, y'all know Luann, not Luann. Ramona is so inappropriate, always like selfish. But Lu- uh, Ramona always apologizes. She'll apologize and don't even mean apologize. So she like calls Luann. 
and she is like saying this apology that obviously she doesn't mean then right after she hangs up she reads the text message out loud to the girls the girls are like what let's go and look at the basement so they go look in the basement the alleged spider dog piss basement and they're like looking at the basement they're like the basement is nice it's fine and then Luann calls and of course you know Shady Shady Bravo and Shady Shady Ramona first of all if I'm mad at a friend for putting me in not you know, sleeping quarters that I would like. And I really had an issue to the point that I left and I'm calling you girl. Don't pick up on speakerphone. So anyway, Ramona picks up on speakerphone. And of course, you know, Bravo to be continued. <sighs> but mind you, I really am into the housewives of New Jersey. I love it. And I did get a lot of you guys' message about the real housewives of Beverly Hills. Y'all know, I love me some Beverly Hills and you know, Beverly Hills added some chocolate this season. So I'm going to see about adding that to my repertoire. Now, let's keep this menu rolling because I got a lot to say about the next topic. Now, listen here, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. Now, I don't know if you guys know, but last Friday, he gave a press conference basically saying that he is giving the green light for some beaches and parks to reopen if it can be done safely after, you know, they closed it for the coronavirus. Now, I don't know if y'all remember Florida. uh, Remember when the spring breakers were there, when the coronavirus was like, you know, spreading and that us in the U.S., we really got the information that it was spreading. And, you know, all the spring breakers was there on the Florida. They didn't close the beaches then. They closed the beaches like two weeks after. Okay. So two weeks after, they was too late to close it. Now we in the middle of this pandemic and we got Governor Ron DeSantos talking about he wants to reopen the beaches. Reopen what? Like, do you see what's going on? In Italy, do you see what's going on in New York? And you talking about opening the beaches? And, like, obviously they're saying, like, you know, uh, the beaches were open with some restrictions. They really wanted to be used for walking, biking, hiking, fishing, running, swimming, and taking care of personal pets. Now, his reasoning for wanting to open the beaches is, as we know, the coronavirus is coronavirus is a very deadly virus and that you know people that have some pre-existing conditions uh are more prone to it being fatal and one of the pre-existing conditions that he states is obesity and so he's like if we open the beaches back up people are more likely to exercise and that you know it can help them beat the coronavirus now obviously they're saying some of the beaches will be open at 6 a.m to 11 a.m and then a break and then 5 p.m to 8 p.m and like you know he's like folks this could be the beginning of the pathway back to a normal life but please let's respect and follow these limitations now baby you close the beaches too late and now you're trying to reopen the beaches like uh, like I, I just I don't understand it. And then, of course, you know, when the beaches reopened on Monday, people was flocking to the beaches. There were like so many people at this beaches. Like what I don't understand is and don't get me wrong. I understand we is locked up in this house. We going crazy. But like, do we not understand the importance of staying in our house? Do we not underportance? this? Do we not understand the importance of like trying to stop the curve? Like, yes, some of us are healthy. And even if we got the coronavirus, we would be able to beat it. But say we pass it to our grandmothers. Say we pass it to somebody that's got asthma. Say we pass it to our mothers. I felt like, you know, we're putting so many people at risk. And I just really feel like, you know, I don't like to get political here on a Purple Pants podcast. But I really feel like they really want to open these beaches because obviously Florida is a very touristy place. And they make a lot of their money from tourists. So if they open their their beaches, 
beaches, they can maybe start to get some of that tourist revenue. And obviously, to me, it just all comes down to money. Like they are like basically saying that money is more important than the lives of the people. And that's just that's my opinion. And I just think that is so horrible. Like, no, 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 no. Close these beaches. Like, do you not understand that this is going to like spike the virus and prolong everyone else's lockdown because you open in the beaches and now that if the virus starts to get spread again then like you know then more people could die now let me also just read some facts to the purple pants posse now the same friday that governor ronald okay not even ron ronald desantis you know, made this press conference that he was going to reopen the beaches on Monday and some of the beaches even opened on that Friday. That same Friday, Florida had 1,413 new reported cases of COVID-19, the highest number of new cases since the outbreak began more than a month ago. Okay. Also, it reported 58 deaths that Thursday evening and Ronald is talking about opening the beaches like come on Ronald get it together like care about your people like I I just I think it's despicable and I I don't approve of I do not approve of it here at the Purple Pants Posse. Yes, we want to get out. Yes, we are getting tired of being in the house, but this ain't the way to do it. And like, what message does that say? Like you as the governor saying this, like it's basically telling people like, okay, it's over. It ain't really a real thing. We could just go back to our normal lives. Like, no, like I feel like this will ultimately be like more hurtful and possibly deadly. Like I'm not here for it. So any of my Purple Pants Posse's that is in Florida, Please stay inside. Please try to keep the restriction of social distance because this thing is real. And it's like, unfortunately, it's not real until people like it hits home. And I've got a friend that lives in New York who works in the healthcare field. And the stories that he, first of all, I'm worried for him. But the stories that he tells me like they have me shook if oh, but Purple Pants Posse, I just want y'all to stay safe. Ronald. Get it together. Okay. Whew. All right, y'all. That's going to conclude this week's menu. It's a purple pants pick. It's a purple pants pick. If you hurry up quick, it's a purple pants pick. Yeah. And welcome to the Purple Pants Picks, which is arguably one of my favorite segments of the podcast. And basically, it is you pick the topic that you want to hear your baby boy talk about. Um, and so how it works for any new listener or, you know, returning listener, every Friday or Saturday, I will post to my Instagram, Bryce Isaiah, or the Purple Pants Podcast Instagram at Purple Pants Podcast. I post a story with a purple pants and I'll basically say drop some topics you pick the topic and you know it can be anything from news movies sports anything you want to hear your baby boy talk about you know I got you covered so let's get into this week's purple pants picks so the odor on Instagram writes your cameo in stealing a survivor hey so I told you guys before uh you know Jervis from season one of survivor and the first blood versus water you know Jervis is a man of many trades and he is an actor he's been in a lot of uh movies and this 
summer, he actually filmed a movie called Stealing a Survivor, which is a great movie. Um, it is about Jervis, who plays himself a survivor, and he is down on his luck, and he really is trying to figure out a way that he can get back into the mainstream media. And so he comes up with the idea that if he kidnaps himself, that he can, like, you know, he'll make headlines like, oh my God, where Jervis, where Jervis, where Jervis. So he doesn't really buy into the idea, but it accidentally kind of happens. And then he makes mega news and so it is like this whole thing of people are like where is Jervis where is Jervis and it just turns into this whole big thing so the plot of the movie is hilarious so you guys have got to check it out you can follow Jervis on uh, Facebook at Jervis Peterson or his Instagram at say Jerv and he has a link where you can view the movie and your baby boy has a cameo I've got a very small part in the movie I play a bouncer one night Jervis and his co- pilots of the movie go out and get drunk and they come to my local bar and baby I gotta put them out so I play a bouncer which is so funny and then mind you uh, Wendell was like you're a bouncer shut up Wendell okay yes I'm a very convincing bouncer so make sure you guys check out Stealing a Survivor it's so much fun um, then the next Purple Pants picks we've got the one and only Sarah on Instagram writes what's something new you've learned about yourself during this quarantine time well that is a really really good one um, so I don't know if it is something that I've learned about myself but it's something that I like rediscovered about myself of how creative and how passionate I can be about something and that if I put my mind to something like there's not anything that I can't do there's not like any situation that I can't overcome there's not any like you know I've, I've been thinking of new ideas and they've really been like coming to fruition and so I really just I feel like this quarantine has given me a time to like really just step back from the crazy reality of the fast-paced life that I live and really kind of just like putting more time into myself and like you know set a goal you know make a list of how you can accomplish it and go ahead and accomplish it and so that's really what I've discovered in this quarantine is like really getting back to like my roots of like setting goals visualizing goals speaking them into existence and following through uh, a lot of the time I feel like this fast-paced life of you know doing these events and going here and there and being trying to being such a good friend to everyone else that I, I, I forget to be a good friend to myself and so I've really had a lot of time not going to the beaches okay uh, um and really just kind of like just like bitch you funny you creative I love it and so I've really been I've got so many like projects and so many ideas that I've been working on that I'm really like following through on and obviously a lot of people can have ideas but you sometimes you if you don't follow through what good is an idea so that's something that I really have been uh, working on myself and I think that's a great question and so I actually even pose that to the purple pants posse what is something in this quarantine that you learned about yourself tweet me okay and let me know I'm curious I want to know then we have E.A. Taylor 2.0 writes, what is your dream job? Oh, come on, E.A. Taylor. Um, so growing up back in the day, <laughs> my dream job, I used to want to be a secretary because, you know, always in like movies, the secretary was just like the they knew everything. They was in everybody gossip and they had a junk drawer. But then like in elementary school, my dream job was I used to want to be like a mortician. I don't know why, but the older and mature Bryce like I really feel like a dream job for me is like working for myself and like you know being an entrepreneur and really like you know not having to 
work for somebody else. But that obviously is a dream job for me. Another dream job that I, I this podcast has really kind of like sparked my interest is I would love to get into like radio. I never really thought I had a knack for it, but like as much time and energy and love that I put into this podcast, I'm like, baby, I, w- I want to be a radio host. Could you imagine? <clears throat> Welcome to W2.35. This is the morning show with Bryce Isaiah. What's popping? Like, I would love to be in radio. I would love, I always wanted to be an actor. Um, and so I would love to act. I would love to be in movies. I would love to be like, you know, on TV. I would really love for my job to really showcase my talent, E. A Taylor 2.0 was really a dream job for me. So that's my dream job. That's a good one. It's underscore Danielle 30 writes, I want to know if you have any tips for making your house more of a home, especially during these times. Now, mind you, y'all know me. I'm a bit of a homemaker. I am. I love like, you know, uh, design, decorating. Um, a tip that I would basically say is, first of all, especially for like new homeowners. And I just want to give a shout out to my good friend, Sarah and E. Burials. They recently just purchased their first home and they moved into their home this weekend. So I just want to give a congratulations to them. I'm so excited for them. I was a little sad this weekend. I could not help them move because, you know, baby boy took a tumble and I'm still recovering and I did not want to re-injure myself. But I, um, I, you know, I just, I'm just so excited for them. So congratulations, Sarah and Eddie. But, um, tips on making your house more of a home. First of all, focus on one room. I think a lot of the times when people like have like new spaces, they're always like, oh, what can I like? You know, but I, I, I always say focus on one room. And really like, you know, a lot of times we all like, oh, what's the new, what's the new marble top? What's the new floor plan? Oh, open floor plan. Like, Forget about what is the new trend. Figure out what you like. What are some things that you like? You know, what are some paintings that are more personalized to you? I love, like, in my house, I have a lot of different things that, like, people have given me. Um, And, for instance, one of my friends had, like, traveled somewhere, and they sent me a postcard. And the postcard read, uh, find greatness within yourself. And I loved that postcard so much that I laminated the postcard, and, like, I put it in, like, a cutout. And I framed it and I like hung it in my bathroom. Um, And so like that to me is just so personal. And like every time I go into my bathroom and every time I get out of my shower and I'm not falling, I read that and that like reads home to me. Um, And so like little do-it-yourself projects, if you can renovate like uh, a dresser, you know, strip it, repaint it, like, you know, anything that you can put your own personal touches on always makes something seem more homely. Um, pillows you know I love pillows you know my couch has about a thousand pillows but like you know that reads warmness to me y'all all know I love me a good bed in a bag so you know getting a nice comforter set for your bedroom you know utilize places like home goods Ross Marshalls they always have little knickknacks for very cheap because you know baby boy is always on a budget um that you can just find things that fit in your house and it takes a while. Sometimes, like, you've got to live in a house. you got to figure out, like, your, your pathway to, like, you know, what you use. And when you find things, 
I allow them to speak to me. Like, say, if I needed a painting in my house, I'm not just going to go and just buy a painting. I'm going to wait until I see a painting that I'm like, ooh, I could see that in my house. Um, Or, you know, repurposing things. Like, you know, I love me a good hand-me-down. Like, you know, my sister, uh, when she had moved, she had, like, this couch set at one time. And I'm like, ooh, I could really use that love seat. That love seat would look so cute in my house. And so... She gave me the love seat and I repurposed it. Like I found one of those like love seat covers that you can put on, change the color of it. So it really is like, you know, finding what speaks to you and and taking your time and really like, you know, doing it with care. I really feel like can make a house a home. So I hope that helps EA Teller. Then we got Brian Drome writes, Philadelphia Pizza Groundhog. Now, when he first wrote that, I said, what the hell is this? But I Googled it. Baby, only in Philadelphia. So, in Philadelphia, there was this lady minding her business, and she saw her dogs, you know, looking out the window. They wasn't barking. They was just, like, at her door. And she goes out, and she looks out her window, or not her window, her door, and she see a groundhog eating a pizza, a pizza just looking at the dog like... What's up? I just came here for a little piece of pizza, okay? Listen, I, I didn't see my uh, tail, so I told y'all it was going to be an early spring. But what I didn't tell y'all was y'all was going to be in quarantine. So I'm just out here eating this pizza. Like, oh, my God, when I saw that video, I was dying. You have to see the way this groundhog is just eating the pizza. And the dogs, they, the dogs, first of all, you know dogs, if they see something on their law, they normally like, bro, bro. These dogs are like, how the hell did he get this pizza? And why don't I have no pizza? Crazy. Only in Philadelphia. Listen, if you guys get time, Google Philadelphia Pizza Groundhog and watch that video. It is crazy. Um, And then we've got Let's Go Fly, a Kate writes Outer Banks on Netflix. First of all, Purple Pants Posse, I feel like y'all be in my mind. So this weekend when I was like, you know, laid up, you know, recovering from my tumble, I actually like saw, you know, the show Outer Banks on Netflix. At first I thought it was a movie, uh, but then I realized it's a series. And I was like, oh my God, this series looks so good. So I didn't start it yet. I'm going to start it sometime this week, but it looks so good. So I definitely will report back to you, Kate, because it just looks so interesting. I I love like shows like that. So if y'all don't know, Google uh, Outer Banks. It looks good. Uh, And then I got like... 10 purple pants picks about too hot to handle. Yes, I see the new show on the Netflix. Now, mind you, I normally am reluctant to watch shows like this because I'm like, I don't got the time. I don't want to watch this. But I have to say, you know, we go together, Purple Pants Posse, and there have been shows that I have not wanted to watch and I watched and I was like, ooh, Chile, that was good. So I definitely am going to put that on my to-do list to watch Too Hot to Handle because it does look a hot mess and you know me i love a hot mess that's going to conclude this week's purple pants picks all right now let's keep this podcast moving to one of my favorite segments advice with bryce but this week i had my little cousin nasir helping me out with the advice with bryce so nasir read the advice with bryce we've got this week all right thanks for having me on here bryce so i just logged into the purple pants advice box and i think i got a really really good one so here it is hi bryce i am 30 years old and i've yet to be in a relationship It is very depressing, and I've often struggled with being lonely. I have given up on ever finding someone since I am so old. At least mentally, I feel very old to never have been in a relationship. I try to remain positive, but it is a constant struggle, especially during these trying times with no one special to talk to. 
I really enjoy listening to your podcast since you're always so positive. I feel as if I always give off a bad first impression and that really holds me back. I am also told that I am super socially awkward to the point where I've been told that people need to be drunk and or high to be around me. Do you have any advice to help me out? Thank you, Amber. Thanks, Nasir. And yes, I definitely have some advice with this one because I feel like, again, I'm just talking to myself because I am, uh, you know, a, a young man of a certain age, early to late 20s to early 30s. And I, you know, haven't yet experience what true love is and I haven't really been in a serious relationship yet um, but I definitely feel like um, one because I, I, it's a couple of things I want to touch on one whatever friend told you that somebody needs to be drunk or high to be able to be around you that's not a real friend so let's uh, start by saying we should maybe clean house with a friend like that because no one should ever hear something like that and even if you're socially awkward that's okay like there are plenty of socially awkward people out there in the world and your social awkwardness could be the cork that somebody could find the most endearing about you so I think one is to be really just true to yourself um, and just continue to lean on the things that you like to do and and what make you you. And if you are socially awkward, then you're socially awkward. That means nothing. Um, my mom always tells me that, like, you know, whenever you are looking for love, you ain't never going to find it. So I always am like, and when you least expect it, love comes knocking at your door. So I think that a lot of the time you should spend like, Figuring out yourself and love has no age. And that's something that I'm learning, like something that I struggled with uh, being a young black openly gay man was that like I had no example of like what gay love was. And so when I was like in my teens, I always like I was like, I want a boyfriend. I want a boyfriend because I'm like, I don't want to be old and gay and in love. Like, oh, like, you know, I, I didn't know what that looks like. I never saw examples of that. So I always wanted to be like in a relationship. And so I always ended up dating like the same type of person that was like not good for me and that's why those relationships never manifested to anything and I find the later in my life that like as I'm dating and getting to know people I'm more comfortable with myself and I'm, I'm more aware of what I like and what I don't like and so don't worry about like you know how old you are and I always tell one of my friends like you know she is on like a timeline she's like I'm a certain age I need to have kids I want to be married and I'm like you need to throw that timeline away like because the more you are constricted to a timeline in a time set place it ain't never going to happen like that and it's like we have to live our lives authentically to us and I think the more true that you can be to yourself is the better the more that you can focus on yourself the more that you find what you like the more that you can just be you I feel like that's when love will come your way and you know a lot of the time sometimes we got to date a lot of like jerks to like you know really make it a blessing when we actually fall in love and we have someone that like meets everything that we want um um, and so on the Purple Pants premonitions, my good friend Gangsta Gurry, he always is encouraging me to like write down the qualities of a man or a partner that you want. Like, you know, really like manifest it. Like, you know, what are like, what do you want in a mate? And I think that the more that we can write and visualize that, I think that we are allowing the universe to say like, you know what, let that come into our lives. And so I just really feel like lean into yourself. Be like, you know, do what you like to do. Hang with your friends and don't worry about when is it coming because when we 
sit and wait. When is it coming? It ain't never going to come. We have to worry about us. We got to figure out ourselves. We got to love on ourselves. And a lot of the times I say is that like you truly have to love yourself uh, because if you don't love yourself, who won't want to love you? And so I think that if you spend more time, Amber, putting love into yourself and, and loving all of the qualities about you, loving your social awkwardness, loving the things that you like, I think that you will then radiate more of a being of self-love. And when you when self-love radiates, people want to love you. People want to like figure out what, what you got, Amber, that you, you so special that you, ju- you just love yourself. And so that is really my advice to you is that like just stay true to yourself and that love will come when it comes and that is what I'm learning as well too Amber and I'm not just talking to you I'm talking to myself when when you are at a place in your life that you are supposed to receive it it's going to come but there is no rhyme or reason to so when it happens, also, I can say, uh, you got to put yourself out there. A lot of the times for me, I'm like, I don't got no man. I want a man. But like I say to myself, what am I doing to get a man? I'm not like going out like, well, I'm going out, but I'm not like going out like, you know, meeting people and sometimes I meet people and a lot of my friends are like oh my god he was so into you and I'm like really like you got to be present like you know try social you know media apps like you know try dating apps like you know put yourself out there a little bit be vulnerable but make sure it is because you feel like you are ready for it not because you feel like oh I'm too old I need somebody nope 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 you have to want to be ready for it you've got to like you know be at the point in your life that you love yourself so much that you are ready to share it with someone else um so I really think that that's my advice and listen it's gonna happen you know it's gonna happen for me too I know it but I gotta be ready willing and open um and so that that's my advice for you boo amber I hope that helps and I can't wait to get an invitation to your wedding because it's coming it's coming all right so that is going to conclude this week's advice with Bryce if you guys have any advice any love advice any work advice any zaddy advice anything you need you know your boy got you just send me an email to Purple Pants Podcast at gmail.com and I got you covered. So let's get into this week's Barb's message. Hi, this is Miss Barb, and today I want to talk to you about hope. If you only carry one thing throughout your entire life, let it be hope. Let it be hope that better things are always ahead. Let it be hope that you can get through even the toughest of times. Let it be hope that you are stronger than any challenge that comes your way. Let it be hope that you are exactly where you are meant to be right now and that you are on the path to where you are meant to be. Because during these times, hope will be the very thing that carries you through. Love you. And that's this week's Barb's message. Thanks, mom. And you know, my mom, she loves to hear uh, you guys' feedback on Barb's message. So if you like this message, please tweet us. You know, tweet me, Bryce Isaiah at Twitter. And I always forward every message I get about Barb's message to my mom. And it really puts a smile on her day. So let us know what you thought about this week's Barb's message. Now, on to the freak of the week. Now, listen, it just seems that, you know, the freak of the week just always comes to 
me. I just be minding my business. And this week was no different. I'm just, you know, trying to recover from this slip and fall I had in the bathtub this week. So a part of my pain management is to scroll through the Instagram and, you know, see what the world is up to. And I'm just scrolling through the Instagram and I come across Aaron Meredith, okay, from season 39 of Survivor. And he has this caption that reads, been a while since I posted on here. Just wanted to hopefully provide some laughs and a behind the scenes shot of me in action, working from home and multitasking, baby. And the photo is Aaron in the bathtub. Whew. He ain't got no clothes on. The clothes that he got on is some Sudley Dudleys, some bathtub suds and it looked like he got a microphone and it looked like he might be recording a podcast or something but baby Aaron Murdiff Aaron Murdiff is definitely the freak of the week baby naked in the bathtub on Instagram and baby I if I don't say so myself he ain't that bad to look at okay so listen if you want to check out this week's freak of the week please go to Aaron's Instagram at Aaron Meredith on the Instagram and check out that photo of baby boy in the bathtub with the Sudley Dudleys and you know what you need to do you know you need to tag on that photo say freak of the week purple pants podcast and tag me at it so i can see it but yes whew, wait a minute let me go let me let me wet the whistle and go look at that photo real quick <laughs> but listen guys that's going to conclude this week's purple pants podcast thank you so much for hanging in there with me i really enjoyed this podcast i hope you enjoyed it as much as i do and listen we'll be back next week please stay safe stay off them beaches don't listen to ronald okay reopen what reopen what okay you need to sit your butt down okay and reopen this podcast and listen to it again but you know where you can find me it's a it's a it's a it's the purple pants it's the purple pants it's the purple pants podcast you better get your headphones and listen up quick it's the purple pants podcast you better listen in public might make your stomach hurt it's the purple pants podcast you trying to unwind you better get that box wine it's the Purple Pants Podcast. You're trying to get your snack. You better hurry right back, though. It's the Purple Pants. It's the Purple Pants.